And we're recording. Yeah, guess who's back? Back again. It's TCG. Tell some men. Guess who's Please back? Don't. Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Please never do that again. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are back. It's true. Yeah. And uh, it's after a, a rather short hiatus for us. What is it? No, right. This, like week week and a half two week i don't know but it seems like it's it's not that long no it's uh, i think it's just over a week so um we are thoughtless casual gaming uh with brett and jace we're a geelong based gaming podcast where we play some games badly and then talk shit about them um my name is not eminem it is brett it is not eminem, <laughs> <Brett>. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I'm Jace, and I think this episode's going to take on a slightly different structure to it is. the usual one. Yeah, look, the way I was thinking about it, I mean, this could technically be a very short podcast, especially if it was just me talking, it would be very short. Um, we'll wait and see once you get talking, though, you've got a lot more to say. Uh, we'll see. Same <laughs> um, could be said about absolutely any topic I'm kind of worried about. Once they get going. Um, but given that we're living in isolation at the moment and COVID is a thing, we really haven't had too much of a chance to play too much in the way of games, which yeah. makes the whole concept of playing a game and then talking shit about it hard, um, challenging. Some may say impossible, but I refuse to believe that. Look, um, we've managed to do one. That's something. This is this is true. And we'll, we'll keep... <laughs> keep doing what we can and, and trying to sort of work around the restrictions that we're living in. Um, although we'll see what happens Sunday, but the yes. other half of everything that we're doing, um, you know, there's, there's obviously a lot of gaming that goes on and, and tabletop war games, but there's another half of that hobby um, that we sort of thought we could touch on a little bit more because that seems to be the focus at the moment. It does. So let's talk updates. Yeah. So before we get really into the juicy bits, what have you been doing? Um, not an awful lot in the last just over a week. Um, look, geeky-wise, I have been still pushing my way through Battlestar Galactica. I have now, depending on which way you want to look at it, I have either one episode or three episodes to go. Um, I'm not sure how that works, but okay. Well, yeah, the last, last three episodes, they have got an uncut you know unaired tv edition which is basically adding more stuff so i can either watch them in three episodes or i can watch this one big episode so you can watch the the zack snyder four hour editors cut god damn it anyway um, <laughs> oh god that's going to be a tease especially as it's coming out an hour at a time too. It's not I gonna... didn't know that was a thing. No, it's it's going to be in, in true HBO sort of fashion. It's, you know, one hour will come out and then the next hour will come out, I don't know, a week later or God knows what sort of timing they're looking at. But it's going to be, it's going to be interesting, A, to see if they put it in a way that they can stop after an hour and, and sort of have, you don't really want cliffhangers in the middle of a four-hour movie technically but it's going to be weird um and it's going to be still i think it's going to be hard for me to wait as well so i'd like to wait until it's all there but we'll wait and see what happens 
I, I will say I'm, I'm mildly pessimistic about it. Like I'm, if you can't tell a, a movie length story in two hours, don't commit to making a movie. Um, so I'm really curious to see. like curiosity will get the better of me and I will want to know, <clears throat> um, how different it would be and how much better and all of the things that everyone is dreaming for, but um, just don't know. And I'm like, not convinced. geeks got their way. They, they said they've been saying for this, asking for the Snyder cut for ages and it's coming. And now, uh, I don't know. It's not a good thing. The other problem is, is the geeks are never happy. So mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. <laughs> If they got their own way, they won't like it. Somebody won't like it. They're they're already asking for the Lucas cut of Rise of Skywalker, which I don't even know how much Lucas had to do with it. But, um, yeah, anyway, uh, so that's Battlestar. Umbrella Academy, been working my way through that with the wife. We've got three episodes to go on season two of that. Uh, Big fan, we're through it. Um, That, again, was one of the series that me and the wife could sit down together and watch without too Mm -hmm. much murder between us um it turns out we have very different tastes and most of the time they when we find something that we can both sit down and watch it's you know it's one of those glorious moments that we should appreciate um umbrella academy is one of them yep so i would be curious to see well we might have a bit of a chat after you finish those Mm -hmm. well i've got the uh the first graphic novel to read as well um, once I'm done, so it'll be interesting to see how that differs. I've heard it's quite different, but I'll give it a go. Um, what else? Let me see. I downloaded Audible last night, actually, because uh, I've been hearing a lot about there's a Audible, Audible audio book version of technically the first three books of the Sandman comic series, which... Mm-hmm in my eyes, is probably the best comic ever written. Um, it got me back into comics, and it's just its a mind-blowing story, and they've got quite a bit of talent reading this. So I'm over halfway through, and, you know, James McAvoy does the voice of Sandman, Cat um, Dennings does Death, there's, there's quite a few others, and it's, it's a really well-done uh, novelisation. Oh, it's not a novelisation, really, is it? It's... Um, just an audio version, um, which will be interesting because they're doing this so well and it's getting such a lot of praise. Apparently there's a TV or a movie or something along those lines set for next year for the same sort of story, which I've never never believed that you can do with Sandman. There's just too much going on. So that'll be interesting. But so far, so good with this. All right. Because Audible, again, it's one of those ones I keep looking at and going, uh, what will I download? I don't know, too hard. And it never never makes the cut. So, no. um, it's, all right, maybe worth a try? Yeah, definitely worth a shot. I think they've got you know, 30 days free and you get a free book. So that's what I've done. So technically I haven't paid anything for it and I'll probably cancel the account after I finish listening to it. So, that is the correct price. Yes. Um, so that's been good. Uh, what else have I done? I got through a couple of my graphic novels last night because I've got a big pile that keeps on getting bigger and I hadn't actually read any. Um, I also got myself the Dungeons and Dragons Players Handbook that arrived. When was that? That was Friday last week. 
So we played D&D on Saturday and I used that a little bit. It was sitting next to me. I looked up like two or three things. It was good. <laughs> Roll20 does have a search function, you are aware. Ah, uh, look, yeah. You know, I'm I'm running everything through a laptop, so there's not an awful lot of screen space. Um, it's it's a little bit tricky for me to connect everything up where I am to the TV and still be somewhat comfortable for a couple of hours. So right. yeah, it was it was fine. It was good to have that. And it's a it's a lovely looking book. I don't know how much you still get out yeah, of it. They're pretty, if nothing else. It's very very pretty. Uh, I've also got my uh, Hobby Homies Patreon model in the mail the other day. So uh, they've been doing Space Marines for their Patreons and I have no need for a Space Marine, so I asked them to kill one. So I got him as an objective marker. He's a little bit dead, but very pretty. He did. I said, oh, he looked very nice. Um <laughs> And it's funny because I reckon that the guys are spending more time and effort on any of those Patreon models than anything that they're painting for themselves. Uh, I would say so. It's like the, the ones that they're churning out for the Patreons are looking amazing. And, and mine is uh, definitely one of those. So very happy with that. I have done a little bit of hobby type stuff. So I got kind of distracted by... Uh, the new Blood Bowl team that came out. So I ended up picking up the dice for that because, you know, Blood Bowl dice uh, can be as rare as hen's teeth. So if you don't pick them up when they come out, odds are you're never going to see them again. I got the Spike magazine for them and I was very happy and very proud of myself for resisting purchasing the team as well. So much so that I got on one of our group chats and, and posted about it, and then everybody went, well, what are you doing? And an hour later I had it. <laughs> went back and bought the bloody team, so my resistance was not very strong. Look, it was an attempt. I'm I'm really appreciating the self-justification you get for buying dice, but, you know, <laughs> well, whatever helps you sleep. <laughs> I love my dice, you know that. Uh so I have constructed all of those snotlings. I haven't put the ones that are to go on the, on the pump wagons. I've constructed the two pump wagons, but I th I'm thinking about painting them before I pop the snotlings on top. Uh, I've also constructed the Dark Elves for Underworlds, and I have uh, decided to open one of my boxes, which I've got sitting here, had sitting here for a while, which is the Dark Carnival box for Malifaux. Decided to open it the other day just to have a look and noticed that one of the arms had come off the sprue and panicked for a little bit, eventually worked out where that arm was on the sprue and thought, well, I can't just leave it. It's a tiny little piece if you know Malifaux models. Uh, so I started building them. So I've built five out of the nine models so far. But that's it for me, for hobby. I've done no painting whatsoever, uh, but I have there's built one, stuff. There's there's 20-odd models in the Snotling box. 20, yep. Yeah. Yeah, 20, 20 models, including uh, another eight Snotlings that go on the pump wagons. All right, so there's 28. Let's round up 30 yep. models there. <laughs> uh, you've done another, you know, the, the Dark Elves. So there's another... That's five. 
four or five of them. Craig. Five. Another four or five of the Dark Carnival. So mm-hmm. there's, what well, we're sitting at 40 models already. You, you know, you've basically done a work week, you know, two hours a model. There's over a work week right there. That really are two hours a model spends, you know. Majority of these are snotlings. Admittedly, I was very surprised that they come in two pieces, each of the snotlings. I'm so. impressed that they come in two pieces, <laughs> but I'm coming from that Malifaux background where I'm like, why aren't the ears separate? Um, <laughs> what about yourself, Jace? What have I been doing? Well, look, the first half, I reckon, since we, since we recorded last, I moved my hobby room. So it literally from one bedroom to another because that was an important thing that I had a lot of say in. Um, <laughs> so I literally had to pack up everything in there, move it in. It's now in a different bedroom. It's combined with my home office setup. But I, I figure that counts as hobby because there was a whole lot of working out what the hell I owned and where it went and trying to carefully move glass cabinets full of models because I refuse to unpack them all um, down a hallway. That is game. That is game. Oh, there was three of them and there was lots of models and it seemed like a lot of effort. So I just, you know, went for hope as the strategy. And uh, Did it pay off? off? I have I have not noticed any. I'm looking at them now. No, I haven't seen any casualties. So either I haven't noticed or there were none. Excellent. I'll take it. Um, so that was kind of the first half and then sort of getting everything set back up and working out where I'm going to put paint racks and whatnot um, and how I'm going to coordinate working and painting in the same room. My productivity levels will be an all-time <laughs> low. I'm just kind of looking over at the hobby desk while I'm at work now. Um, so that was, look, I'm saying that counts as hobby. Um, it does, definitely. It also, look, what it also let me do, which was kind of good, was all of the half-finished projects I had laying about, just scattered and strewn across every surface, are now away, so I can't see them. Mm-hmm. So it's just, a, there was a stage there where I was sort of, you walk in to do some hobby and you sit down and you look at the thousand projects that you've got to to sort of, you know, staring at you going, why haven't you painted me yet? Um, and it got to the stage where it was like too overwhelming. So you just painted nothing. So fresh start, everything is in boxes, everything's in the cupboard. It's away. I know what's there. So when the, the urge, you know, hits me to, to get something done, we'll pull the one project out is the dream and we'll get the one project and we'll paint that or we'll do whatever and we'll, that can migrate to the the cabinets of finished projects mm-hmm. and hopefully I don't get in the same spot again. Chances of me following through on that are almost nothing, but we'll give it a red hot go. <laughs> it's worth a shot. So that was that was kind of the first half. We did get that D and D session in, which I'd forgotten about. Um but that was that was fun. That was a slightly less traumatic experience than the previous ones. We didn't murder any noble majestic beasts um you know, we didn't like find it. any though technically well yeah i mean opportunity did not knock um so, you know we'll see what happens next time but that, that was you know it's, so that was good everybody did stuff we left you to die for a little bit but you survived <laughs> um, that's it you know we've got 
we've got a whole heap of monsters in a room trying to tear down this door to get to the innkeeper who we've been told to save. She yells out, save my husband, he's in a burning barn. And three quarters of the party goes off to the barn. And I'm like, well, okay, I'll just hold off all eight of these monsters then. In our defence, three quarters of the party was three people. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so you left me alone. It was exactly three quarters, but that was, you know, the smallest multiplier we can find. Um, And you could have come with, but no. Uh, Um, I could could have. have We we could have done with the uh, help with a lift. You know, what's their face? His husband was definitely more than a two-person lift. Uh, We did not adhere to occupational health and safety standards. (laughs) We dragged his ass out. We didn't get trampled by a horse. Everyone survived. Profit is the moral of the story. Um, And then hobby-wise, there's a, a bit of a sort of painting challenge thing that's just kind of a rolling thing with a few of the guys um, where one of them who owns a 3D printer, Mark, prints out a bunch of the same model, drops them off. Everybody paints them up eventually, most of the time, sometimes if they can be asked. Um, And then we all do it again. Um, So the model this time around was uh, sort of King Kong gorilla looking critter with four arms and horns and stuff um so that was kind of the the model that's sitting on the to be painted pile and at about the same time he was sitting on the to be painted pile um guff geelong posted that they got stock in of the chimera paint set which i'd been eyeing off for ages and going, no, I don't need to spend this money on another set of paints. And no, this is fine. They've been really hard to get. No one's getting stock. Like, I don't have to order it from overseas. This is going to be a pain in the ass. It'll take forever. I won't buy it. Um, so they said they had stock and I bought one. Um, resistance nil. Well, speaking of resistance nil, it, it was possibly the next day when somebody else was going into Guff to look at Snotling Dice um, and pick up Spike Magazine and got a message saying, oh, I didn't buy the Snotling team. We're all kind of ripping on you a little bit to say, oh, <laughs> how long is that going to last? And, and I threw away the the random comment going, oh, I keep looking at them. They're kind of cool. I'm I'm curious to see how they play. And then the, the, the note comes back going, they've got two boxes. I'm only getting one. You can, you can, you can totally. And I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, I don't need, I don't need the Snotling box as well. I know I've got, look, at least two Blood Bowl teams that need finishing painting. Um, fuck it here. And transferred money. So in that you know hour that it took you to turn around and drive back and get them, you convinced me. I blame you entirely. Um, <laughs> well, technically I didn't drive anywhere because I was at work at the time. So um happened to go into Guff on my lunch break and then you guys all ripped into me and so – said to the boss, I'm like, oh, I've got to go back to this shop now. Um, but it was hilarious because you said, nah, 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 don't need them. And then the next minute my phone lights up with a message saying, you've got money. <laughs> Just transferred them. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, yeah, I, as I said, well, they, look, they're still sitting in the box and I've got, again, starting to have some thoughts and, and plans about them. But again, I'm trying to work on this one project at a time, Bizzo. So they will sit there until I'm ready. Um, but they're there and we'll see what happens. So we finished, anyway, we bust out the Camaro paints. We only in about three nights, I reckon, three, four nights, maybe. It was the, the monkey got, got some paint on him. Um, and then I've literally had sitting here, I ordered a while ago from uh, a 3D sculptor that, um, that runs a, a shop called Nick's Hatchery. Um, it was a Monkey King uh, model that I'd been eyeing off since he started posting um, sort of the concept sculpts and, and sort of work in progress pieces. Um, and again, Mark kindly printed me one of those. So he is now sitting on the, the uh the painting table with like a couple of colors on him i made a start last night after i finished the monkey um and he'll be the next one so done a little bit of painting lots of moving too much buying and that's pretty much where i'm at well your um your monkey you know you say you've painted him but my god like post some pictures in the in the facebook group because that monkey's getting a lot of love Look, and I was, it's surprised, and I think it's partially, it's it's a cool model, right? It's pretty hard not to love the four-legged, four-armed gorilla beast um, at the start. And, I mean, we'll get into this because we're going to start talking paint sometime soon, but he's pretty bright. Uh, he's very bright. I had some fun with him. So. He's gorgeous. So... Let's talk paints. While we're on that sort of topic, you've you've bought yourself new paints. Um, you, I've compared my painting to yours a couple of times here and in public, and you know I will shout it till you know the cows come home. So why don't I start? Because I'm kind of more the beginner painter. I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't classify myself as good in any way, shape or form. I, I'm getting better. I'm playing around with a few things. I made a, a distinctive um, effort this year to try and paint more models. And I think for the first nearly three months, I at least did some sort of painting every day. And and that's really helped me. So that, that little added effort each day has, has really shown in some of the models I think I've done this year. I don't put any of my models next to yours because that would be futile, but they, you know, I'm getting through a few. I've, I've painted, I think it's uh, 67 models this year so far. And for me, that's a really good effort. So, But what, as far as painting goes, I... I'm still very much in the citadel mindset. They're pretty much the only paints I've ever used. And a couple of years back when they released their the new range with you know eighty different versions of the same colour, um, I sort of jumped on board. You know, I'm happy with the citadel ones. They do exactly what I want them to do. They They've got quite a few different types. So, I mean, they've got the base types, they've got layers, they've got shades, which are the old inks. Um, and I was very fond of the inks when I was a much younger painter. 
their glazes, textures, dry brush paints, technical, and now the contrast, and they've got airbrush paints as well. So they've got a little bit for everyone. I heard Nim take a breath. No, that was cool. That was okay. just breathing. Um, oh, okay, cool. You got no uh, opinion. Not yet. <laughs> um, so what I've been doing is, you know, I would generally go into GW, have a look around, know what I was trying to paint up next and just, you know, grab a couple of colours towards that. And that's kind of ended up with me having a good portion of the range. So I've got them all spread out in a nice little paint, couple of paint racks uh, from Back to Basics. And they're on my desk. They look lovely. I'm really happy. And they're organized in such a way that I know where each type is, what sort of colors I've got, um, and where to look. So it, it helps me in that way where I can just go, okay, well, I want a brown. Here are my, where are my browns are. This one's too dark. This one's too light. I don't tend to mix them too much, which is why I've got a bit of a collection of various different colors. Add that to the fact that uh, Games Workshop do some amazing painting videos, which have really helped me. Uh, used to be with Duncan, now they're with other blokes. But what they do at the start of the painting session is they give a list of all the paints that you're going to need to paint your model exactly the same as their model, which never works out exactly the same, mind you. So for a long time, I was I got in the habit of going, okay, well, I want to paint this guy. I have these paints. I don't have these paints. I'll go in and get them. And half the time, I'd be painting that model, and then halfway through, I'd go, well, I don't want to exactly follow what they've got here. I want to do this. So I wouldn't generally use some of those paints anyway. So it took me a little while to get out of the habit of buying what they told me to buy. But the end result is, is that I've got a nice little range. They do what I want them to do, and they're simple. You know, it's it. I don't know a lot of technicalities when it comes to painting. I don't know too much how to mix well. So having you know the different colors in front of me. And I can just go, okay, that's the one I need, and just pop it in front of the model has been really helpful. So I think, and and kind of where this, this whole episode came from was this concept of, and I've seen it a few times where people are like, what paints do I get? Is there a difference between them? I'm just, you know, either I'm starting out or I've been painting for a while and I want to branch out or... You know, I'm leaving some options. I I don't think I'm I'm looking at all the options I have available to me. So, a little bit of a comparison about what's out there. But I think you you've kind of touched on the piece I really wanted to hit with the the GW range. Mm-hmm. The paint the paint is good quality paint. They've got reasonable pigment content. It's a good consistency. They you know their their product quality control is actually pretty good say what you want about the pots that they come in and everyone has an opinion about that which is honestly just an opinion and i don't care if you spill to wash um but like everyone is like i'm now seeing little 3d printed like wash holders and stuff like just be less clumsy mm-hmm. um 
but anyway, I think the the piece that GW does really, really well, especially as an introduction to, to new painters, is instead of taking painting as this kind of abstract, arty concept, they break it down into a process and yes. it becomes a these are the steps that you need to follow if you want this result. And for a lot of people out there, they just want that result. And instead of having to understand these concepts and these, you know, kind of, you know, hard sort of ideas to that, you know, between mixing paints and pigment and this and color wheel and fuck off. um, I can get three shades of blue. And I know if I paint this one and shade it with that one and highlight it with that one, it looks good. I don't have to dick around and I can paint an army because that's the other thing that GW do is they sell armies worth of models and they will all look the same because I have a process and a recipe. And I think that's the piece that makes them a really accessible, really good for new painters because it's, they're made with that process in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and now what they're starting to do between the contrast range and the technical paints is just give people a lot of really easy tricks to go next level. So, I mean, the contrast range is, uh, and we'll get to that shortly, but this whole concept of there's a whole bunch of people that don't actually want to paint as a starting point, or the idea of painting a whole army is daunting as fuck, or even following that process, God, it's it's a big jump or it, it's a big thing to have to do to simplify that even further and go, fuck it, you just need one blue. Forget this shading highlighting bullshit. Just put this on it and suddenly you've got a model that looks good. Any dickhead can do that. Um, so they've, they've made it even more accessible with that. The contrast range actually has a whole bunch of other benefits. but And then going to things like your technical paints, so your... Um, the crackle shit with the earth for bases and um, the the patina effect for bronze that gives you that kind of blue, the slime and a lot of the, you know, even the, the glow, the, the new Necron glow and the Nighthaunt paints and stuff. Just go, here's stuff that people were painting that looked next level. Here's a really simple way to replicate that. Um, and it just makes a lot of these super advanced looking techniques become something that's achievable. And I think that's the biggest thing that GW bring to it and a reason that it's actually a really good range to start with and a really good, um, and not even start with, like there's no, there's not necessarily a reason to branch out beyond that. Um, but it, it is one of those things that just helps people step into that world of hobby and painting and stuff without completely losing their mind, getting overwhelmed and leaving. That's exactly right. Like everything you said is, is exactly how I feel as that, that novice painter, you know, the, the paints are even labeled, you know, base and and layer. So that's your base color. And then you go onto a layer color. Um, But what you touched on there too, is that the technical and the contrast, the technical paints are, some of my favorite paints of all time, like blood for the blood God just gives this blood. Like it doesn't look like a paint. It looks like blood. Um, the Nurgle's rot, the, the typhus corrosion, which is sort of like a, a dirt with paint with grit in it. Um, the Tesseract glow, the new Necron color, like they're all amazing colors. And, and just by using a bit of those on the models, I feel like my models get more depth. 
they get a bit more something that makes them stand out a little bit. Um, my Blood Bowl Nurgle team, I did uh, technical paint over the, the bases. So I had your basically a mud type paint. And then I did little rivers of Nurgle's rot going through them. And they look amazing. And the bases just, just make those models stand out more just by little, little tricks that I'm learning with those technical paints. And on the same level, those contrast paints, see, there was such, such debate on the internet about whether contrasts were good or bad. Um, probably still is. I just don't pay any attention to it. But contrast for me has been a godsend because it's allowed me to get more painted. Like I'm more motivated. Those contra contrast paints, I can put that on and be happy with, with a, a sort of a textured type paint in one go. Before contrast, the thing that scared me the absolute most was painting black because I didn't know how to give it that definition. Whereas now black contrast gives it that definition for me. And I don't have to think too hard. I don't have to go into X amount of tutorials online teaching me how to paint like a pro because it's I'm, I'm not going to be that good and I don't need to be that good in my eyes. I'm happy with the, the results that I get. The whole thing is about how much effort you need to put in to get a result that you're happy with, like mm -hmm. forgetting what everyone else is doing. Um, and that will change for absolutely everyone and potentially you know even the one person that will change between projects depending on what it's for and what they're trying to do and whatnot so i think firstly that that's a kicker it's what are you trying to achieve um but i'm also watching some amazing competition level painters paint stuff with contrast paints and use them so this whole concept of that's all they're good for is you know, really false um you know i've picked up a couple for for different reasons um just to just to try and do different things um and the other thing with those technical paints is and again this comes back to gw making things really accessible there was always ways to achieve that blood effect between um i know there was some sort of you know either enamel or oil based paints that did it but there was inks with you know different mediums and or to get that gritty corrosion you know you could get a, a either a textured paint or literally mix like a, a bricky sanding with whatever you were doing but it took a lot of fucking around and it took a lot of having um, a lot of different supplies and a lot of different things and cleanup was a bitch and all that kind of stuff. So what GW managed to do is go, forget all that. Just here's an easy way to do it. And yes, it means that you can only, um, you know, do, you know, you only get blood in this color. For example, you can't tint it with, you can't have green blood because blood for the blood God is red. But for 90% of what you want to do, you're probably going to use red blood because that's what we're used to seeing and that's what makes sense. Yep. So they kind of restrict your options that little bit but give you such an accessible way to do it that doesn't involve any of the mess and dicking around that you would have to do otherwise. So, again, it's just about they're finding that balance too around making things accessible um, for, for anyone to come in and start putting out, you know, good quality stuff on the table. It's look, it's been great, and and I've loved going in to GW and going, okay, well, this is what I'm painting. 
this is the type of color I want. What do you recommend? And it's gotten out to the point where I think I went in a couple of weeks ago before they, they locked it, you know, before they restricted the access for, for COVID. And I said, this is what I want to do. What do you recommend? He's like, okay, well, you could try this or this or this. And I'm like, cool. I've got all three of those. I'll give them a go. So it's reached that point where me just going in, grabbing a couple of paints at random uh, when I needed them for something I had in mind has, I don't have the whole collection. I don't want the whole collection. I have enough to keep me going with almost anything that I need to do. I haven't branched out. I haven't really tried anything else. The only, only thing I've really got on my paint rack, which is different, is I've got two of the Color Change Green Stuff World paints, which I tried with you, Jason. And I honestly, I don't think I know how to work them so because they didn't work out the way that I've seen them work out. So... Again, that, that comes down to the effort. So what I'd need to do is I need to look into exactly the right way of painting those paints and and doing research, and I haven't been asked. And to be honest, we haven't really had a need to use them for much as well, which hasn't really helped. But um, apparently, you know, for example, I've discovered that a gloss base coat makes a world of difference for those. So, you know, it's that kind of dicking around. Um, cool effect, cool idea. Um, a lot of the Turbo Dork stuff is a very similar concept where they've got all these colour shifts and whatnot, but limited application. Yeah. Unless you literally go, this is the colour I'm going to paint my new Necron army because I've just bought an Indominus box. Um, how often are you using a colour that shifts from green to pink? Not often. I mean, I, I had a couple of ideas. I had a couple of things that I was thinking about using them on. But in all honesty, the effort seemed too much. So I haven't bothered. Fair. No, fair. Um, so, look, that's probably... That's I mean, that, really, it is. It's Citadel in a nutshell. They, um, and, you know, just, just to, to reiterate, the... The quality of the product is actually really good. Other couple of benefits with the Citadel product is you can buy singles. You can buy whatever single color because, you know, there are some ranges where you have to buy them in a set of some kind. Um, And frankly, that's a pain in the ass. Um, Also, it's easy to get fucking anywhere. Like most hobby shops or, you know, if you don't have a, a Warhammer slash Games Workshop shop somewhere close, there's a lot of hobbyists that stock them. So they're actually pretty easy to get hold of and a lot of the time easier than any of the others. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
Jax, what do you use, Jax? Sorry. Well, look, and to be honest, I you know I started with GW way back in the day in the old. I think it was you know probably '97 with the old hex pots, yeah, um, and and the paint set there, and I, I stuck with them for years, um, and again probably not knowing that there was anything else out there. And it wasn't until I was going, oh, I'm running out of a bunch of colors. I'm actually going to have to do a bit of a restock. And I was chatting to a good mate of mine, Dave, who is a wargaming buddy from way back, who's actually a golden demon winner um, from, again, from way back in the day. Um, and it's kind of cool going over to his place in game because he's got the models with the golden demon sitting next to him in the cabinet. Um <laughs> And it's like, holy shit, that's, that's an actual, anyway. Um, and so I was kind of chatting to him and he's like, oh, well, I've been using these, these Vallejo paints. Um, I've got a spare set of the Vallejo paints. I'm happy to, I bought forever ago and haven't cracked this brand new set of them. I'm happy to, to hand them on cheaply if you want. So I got a, a case of Vallejo game color at that point off him, I'm like, you know, if he can paint golden demon paint, you know, winners with it, they can't be all bad. We'll give it a red hot crack. And the thing with the, the game color range is they very much replicated the classic games workshop colors. So, you know, one of them has warlock purple. The other one has warlord purple. Um, one has tentacle pink. The other has squid pink. You know, it, it, it's that level of, comparison um so i knew all the colors they were called different things they would drop bottles which was something different and new and something i've i've really come to like um you know since i stopped painting straight out of the pot um and that's kind of where i kicked off and i painted you know a couple of warhammer armies with the, the vallejo game color range exclusively and i kind of discovered that i didn't like the metallics Mm-hmm. Um, so the the metals in there, um, I found when I was dry brushing them, the the metallic pigment in them was really flaky, and they kind of made everything look like it had glitter on it. Um, so I just went, oh, I don't don't love the metals, and uh, you know, and you don't know this when you're starting out, but yellow is a shit color for everything, and I'm like, oh, the yellow is really hard to get coverage on and stuff. Maybe I should you know look out elsewhere. So. It was kind of, I started just going, oh, well, I'll, I'll try other things from from that point onwards. But as I said, I spent a bunch of time with the, the Vallejo Game Color and very comparable to, to Citadel Paints, A, color-wise, B, consistency, um, pigment concentration, like very, very close, classic Citadel range, but... Honestly, they haven't changed that much. They keep changing the colors slightly and changing the names, so you can't do a straight comparison, but that's about all I can work out. Um, so from there, I started looking for what else I could use. I bought an airbrush, and that went immediately. I said, I need airbrush paints mm-hmm. because I have an airbrush. That is incorrect, but something that a lot of people do. Um, and Vallejo conveniently had an airbrush range of paint so they they do the vallejo game color and the vallejo model color as their two kind of standard ranges game color is kind of your bright fantasy super saturated um kind of colors they have a slightly more satin finish um 
And theoretically, apparently, they're a little bit more hard-wearing than the model colours. They're kind of designed for game gaming models, which is where the name comes from. Um, so theoretically, they're supposed to be a little bit more hard-wearing and, and good for handling. I think that's a load of crap, personally. Um, but anywho, the model colour range is or was designed very much with historical models in mind. So you have 36 different versions of German field grey um, and Russian field blue and, you know, these kind of more khakis and browns and, and those kind of desaturated colours. They have a lot more of a matte finish um, and apparently they they are slightly less hard-wearing, but meh. Um out of the two ranges, I honestly prefer the coverage and the finish of the model colours, um, but I like the colours that you get in the game range. Um, I've, I've found kind of, you know, for, for base rooms and stuff or for those black colours, I'll pull out a model colour black because I prefer the the finish to the game colour black. It's just that little bit more matte, a um, little bit less shiny. Um, so it, there's that, but... You can completely just mix between the ranges. It, it doesn't make a lick of difference. Um, airbrush range. And you know, it's kind of topical because Games Workshop have got an airbrush range of paints now. So they do game air and model air. Same difference applies. It's pretty much just the color choices that difference. Um, and what I found with these is they're thinner. So theoretically, you can throw them straight into an airbrush and just shoot them straight through. That's happy days. Um but what it actually means for for um, an airbrush is, especially in the metals, if they had those giant kind of chunks of or flakes of metal pigment, that would clog the shit out of an airbrush. So the um, game air and model air metallics have got really super fine metallic flakes in them to give them that metallic thing. And forgetting airbrushing, even just brushing these bastards on, it's such a, a nice metallic finish. So I'm now finding that even brushing on, I'm going to the game air and the model air ranges. It's thinner paint. You have to thin them down a little bit further. The pigment's smaller, but it's just as saturated. So you get just as good coverage. Um, and it's just really easy to do thin coats of paint. Um, you don't have kind of that big, chunky, heavy bodied thing. The metallics are absolutely gorgeous. Um, and that was probably the, the biggest takeaway for me is if I was going to buy metallic paints, I was probably going to buy just the, the airbrush, the Vallejo airbrush metallics. And See, this is, this is all new to me because being the paint pleb that I am, I would have assumed that airbrush paints weren't good for painting normally. No, it's the, the, Main difference is, is they're thinner out of the bottle um, and the pigment that they use is a little bit finer um, because it's less likely to clog up an airbrush. But there's nothing wrong with using that on a brush and realistically, we keep telling people to thin their paints anyway. I was so just thinking that. Is it, is it just a thinner version? Pretty much. Um, so what it does mean is... It goes on a little bit, it goes on thinner, so it's more transparent, so it can take more layers to get the same effect that you would like, um, because, you know, it's naturally thinner 
anyway. Um, so if you do want to go for that kind of, you know, not, not, you know, thick coat, but a, a relatively heavy base coat, you won't get the same coverage in one pass that you would with a, you know, a, a G-Dub base mm-hmm. color, for example. Um, but they work off the bat and like, I just, you treat them the same as I treat all of my other paints, just squirt a bit onto the wet palette, mix, mix, off we go. I do tend to find because they are thinner on the wet palette, they separate faster, but mix them back in. Um, yeah, they and as I said, it's just the, the metallic finish because the metallic pigment's so fine on it. I just, I really like the finish. So that's probably the next comparable range that I would go with. If you're going for a you know, games workshop, you're looking for something else. The, the Vallejo range, again, super high quality. Depending on what you're painting you can, or what the finish you like, you can either go model color or game color or the airbrush versions of each. They also do some some cool so they do like a fluoro range mm-hmm. um which i am way too much of a fan of um <laughs> but i'm, I'm kind of into those super super bright super vibrant finishes um they do some inks um so you can get vallejo inks across across everything which um you know are not a g-dub wash by any stretch of the imagination they are an ink very true to form um but that's kind of the next logical step. But what I found I'm doing from that point onwards was picking and choosing kind of single paints that I like or single colors or, you know, ranges that I liked from different things. The next range I broke into from that point in time was um, P3, so the privateer press range. And the way that kind of happened is I was painting something that was yellow and the Vallejo yellows, the pigment is is pretty, um, you know, it's pretty fine. You don't get a lot of good coverage. I was, it was a pain in the ass. And I was having a chat to a couple of mates and I think it was Adam Smith of all people said, oh, have a look at the P3 paints. They're a little bit thicker and, and heavier and stuff, but pretty good coverage. And I picked up a couple of yellows and there was a marked difference. So... They come in the little pots the same as the old G-Dub. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Apologies. Um, but they're just a little bit thicker. They're a little bit kind of almost creamy in texture. Still a pretty good matte finish, but I just found the coverage that I got from them was a lot better for some of those hard-to-cover um, colors like your yellows. Um so they're now currently my go-to for, for yellow for, for most things. Um, the other thing P3 do really nicely is some weird colors. Um, and I'll keep throwing back to coal black. They do uh, a color called coal black. Coal black is not at all black. It is kind of this dark gray blue. Um, okay. It's my favorite color in the world. It... It, it's my go-to color if I'm doing any kind of non-metallic metal steel. It's a really good neutral color if you're going, oh, I, I need to paint the, the belt on this guy a different color, but I don't want to introduce a new color. It's a new color, but it's not bright. It's not in your face. So it's it's a really easy one to, to blend in. Mm-hmm. It goes with everything. Um, and I've 
almost painted entire models with just that colour, mixing black and white in to give me different shades of. It's the greatest. They do um, a, a red version that, again, is kind of this dark crimsony red um, colour. Um, and they basically do a very similar thing to, to G-Dub where they will have a base, a middle, and a highlight colour. Um, they do like a bone white and they've got like a dark and a, a mid and a light one. So similar concept, um, but I just find that their their base or those in-between colours are just ones that you don't find in other paint ranges and they're really pretty colours that you wouldn't think of using otherwise. So, um, again, it was one of those kind of more good luck than good management finds. They also do a couple of funky kind of metallic paints where reasonably good quality, but they do like a, I think it's called pig iron. It's kind of like this slightly off brown steel color. Um, so rather than having just, you know, silver or gold or bronze, they, Blur the lines a little bit and give you some really interesting kind of concepts. Really interesting colors to play with that you wouldn't necessarily think of. Um, they're really good for, and and Meg Maples is is a big advocate for two brush blending um, and blending colors into each other. And she was a studio painter for P three, so was very used to that range of paints for a very long time and used to promote them. Um, but they thin down again really well. Really good quality. Um, Probably the hardest thing is getting hold of them. We're reasonably lucky in that throw the dice stock them. Um, but the other thing that they did for a long time is sell paints in sets. So they would, you know, the, and to go along with the, the War Machine and Hordes armies and stuff. So you would get the Trollbloods paint set or the, um, you know, the Kador paint set or something and it would have kind of those base paints. Um, but Rich is holding a lot of singles which is great. They also do not washes, but inks again. Um, and I'm discovering more and more a, a love of inks for a number of different reasons that we'll get into in a bit. Um, so that was kind of P3. Again, very comparable to your G-dubs and your Vallejos, very much designed for a miniature, you know, sort of fantasy gaming market. Um, but just slightly different color selection, slightly different consistency, and I found for a weird colors that you wouldn't find elsewhere and um, hard colors to get coverage on. They were, they were kind of my go-to. Okay. With, with the boxes for P3 paints. So you mentioned that a lot of them sort of come in and you guess your, your army faction colors. Yep. Are the majority of those, like, did you find any of these boxes where you were just buying them and there were paints in there that, you just never used or I have I've been avoiding buying the the mm-hmm. boxes and literally just picking up single colors where I wanted so you can get them in singles they're just a lot lot less people stock them in singles gotcha. um but and again they do a very similar thing so the the trollbloods one the trollbloods you know studio paint scheme is primarily blue so there's about four or five different shades of blue in there um their their base their shade their highlight kind of approach as well um so that all goes back to like my first painting jobs like when i was like 14 or 15 um me and my brother got a paint set from gw for 
Christmas. And it was a box set and we thought, okay, well, you know, we'd asked for it. This is the way that we wanted to get in. We wanted to start painting some of these models that we had. Uh, but the one we got was the monster set or something like that. But sounded really cool, but it had pink, it had bronze, it had rotting flesh, it had a brown, it had all these colours that, that don't go well together. And that's, of course, what we had. So some of those old old models look horrible. <laughs> even besides yeah. the fact that I couldn't paint. Yeah, look, the, the at least the benefit to these ones is they aren't logical sets. It's and I suppose the only the only Citadel paints that I ever got was that kind of starter set that had you know kind of your your white, your black, your your primaries and and not much else. So I I haven't had the the misfortune of getting a a paint set that didn't make sense. I've got a feeling it's something that probably has long gone. I think a lot of paint sets have those basic colours or at least um, colours that you, you may use for quite a few things. But this one, I mean, it's funny thinking back on it now, but my God, like, you know, every, like, Blood Bowl player we did was pink uniform and rotting flesh, even if they're an elf. Hey man, if it's what you got. That's uh, it. That's all we had. That's it. So, yeah, no, and actually speaking of, of kind of paint sets and, and stuff like that, the one I'll touch on really quickly, and I don't have a lot of experience with, um, but it keeps coming up in these kind of conversations, Army Painter. Um, Army Painter came out in the not too distant past, like it was a while ago, but not that long. Um, but basically coming out with an affordable way to paint armies and and stuff so they've got a reasonably affordable range of brushes they do um a big paint range that is bargain basement price um realistically for the the you know, full paint case kind of deal um where they kind of came to fame for me was they started doing these quick shades mm-hmm. yep. um and the quick shade came in a paint can, like a you know hardware store style paint can. And even their tutorial video showed a guy picking a model up by the base with a pair of pliers, dunking it in the paint can, and shaking the piss out of it. Um, I gave that a red hot go. Um, I've tried it too. I don't, I can't remember whose it was, but somebody had one of those tins, and I tried it and. It just, I mean, it looked okay. I think we had one of the darker ones. So I don't yeah. think it was exactly what I was going for on whatever particular model I tried it on, but it was it was an experience. Yeah, I covered most of the garage I was living in with, you know, <laughs> over, not quite overspray, but the, the you know, the, the paint I was flicking around. Vigorous um, shaking. I, there are better ways to apply that, but the concept was great. Um, and it was shortly after G-Dub brought out their first range of washes, like magic with, with devil and mud and the world went mad for devil and mud. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what the, I think Agrax earth shade is the current equivalent. Um, but it was kind of the first incarnation of that. And army painter came out and went, no, 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 we can do better than this. Have it in a can. Um, and we dunk the whole fucking model. Um, so that's kind of where I discovered them, but they brought out this massive set of paint ranges and I've got a couple and I don't even know where I got them from. Um, I find 
look, they do they do the trick. They come in dropper bottles, so they're nice and easy to, to use. They are pretty thick. Question or like the coverage is probably not as great as some of the others, and the, they don't thin down as nicely. But they they get the job done, and there will be people painting a shit ton better than me using army painter paints. I suppose it comes down to because again, a lot of people find the set on your know, Amazon or something. And go well, this is fucking cheap. I'm going to buy a shit ton of paint because this is easier than buying you know eleven dollar pots of paint. Um. Legitimate choice. It is. It comes down to a how many colours you actually need, um, and b whether you want to roll the dice on something that the, the quality control just isn't quite as high. As in, I've got a couple. I use them primarily for bases because they're just that little bit thicker and heavier, and the pigments a little bit you know thicker in them and, and stuff. And I don't think they're as nice to use. Um, but I'm also getting fussy in my old age. Um, the quick shade, however, look, don't dunk the whole fucking model in. Um, but as a idea for shading models just brushed on, it it actually does a reasonably good job. And I've seen some some pretty cool looking armies done with with quick shade. Um, I've also discovered that you can get exactly the same thing from Bunnings, um, and it's called wood stain and varnish. Um, it comes in a variety of colors and it's pretty much exactly the same product. I'm using that a lot on terrain because, um, so as a, an all over all in one wash shade for, for terrain, big old thing of Bunnings wood stain, you know, Cabot's wood stain and varnish in like a, a black or a really dark Brown, smash that all over everything. Um, the only downside is you got to clean it up with turps. Um, Do you dunk the building in and then shake it around? No, it's generally getting a big old paintbrush <laughs> and slapping it on. Um, but as I said, it uh, turps, you know, to, to clean up, which is, a smelly and B, you know, a bit of a pain in the ass. Um, so as it, I'll leave army paint out of it. I haven't used them a lot. I didn't love the couple I got, so I kind of left it there. Scale seventy five was kind of the next range I broke into, um, and they relatively new paint company, and uh, they came out, and a few people raved about them, and I'm like, fuck it, I got to try this. I'll, I'm at that stage now where I've just got to, I've just got to give it a go. So they brought out scale color and the biggest thing that people said with scale color was the, the concentration of the pigment, but the finish was this super matte finish. They get the, like no reflection. There's none of this. So if you want you know, a black or you want to paint shadows in something, you don't necessarily want light reflecting off it because it messes with your paint job. So they got this, this great wrap a for being, really high quality B for this matte finish. And I grabbed a few. I grabbed, they're another one that does weird paint sets, which is the bit I don't like. Um, I, I don't know anywhere you can get single scale color bottles. Um, and that's kind of why I haven't branched out too much further. But, so they do, um, for example, there is a flesh tone um, set. And you get, you know, I don't know, nine, ten colors 
of, of all the different colors that you would use to paint flesh tones and a little painting guide to say, you know, how they would achieve um, a Caucasian skin to an Asian skin to an AI and African style skin and all that kind of stuff. Um, the other one I've got is their black and white um, paint set and it's actually got 10 different colors that range from grays through to sort of funky muted browns, black and white. Um, I've heard really good things about the metals, but I gave up buying whole paint sets at this point in time. Biggest call out for scale 75. Sorry, is the, they are super matte. And what I've decided recently is there is such a thing as too matte. It shows up all your mistakes. It's really unforgiving. Um, but there's kind of a really happy medium with a finish that's that's just that little bit satin. Not not saying you, you don't want shininess on your models. Like I'm not saying go out and gloss varnish your models, but a little bit of, a little bit of shine or, or just you know killing off that matte finish a little bit is is a really good thing. My preference, take it or leave it. The other thing with scale seventy five is they have a different medium whatever the the liquid that isn't color in it um is is different to anything else i've used it's kind of almost like a gel um it's weird it takes a little bit of getting used to it acts a little bit differently to all the other paint ranges i've tried look it thins down fine it paints on fine you get good coverage they do a really good range of colors if you can be asked buying paint sets um but I suppose for me the, the biggest difference was how different they were to use and get used to. And it was just that kind of gel finish medium that they had in them meant that all of the just habits that I've fallen into using paint ranges that aren't like that needed adjusting slightly and they're a little bit hard to swap in and out of. So really good paints. I've used them for a bunch of stuff. As I said, I've found myself going to probably the Vallejo model color if I want a matte finish because it's not quite as matte um, and that's just what I'm preferring. <coughs> Was and, that COVID? Um, probably. Okay. I'm not that it's definitely not Rona. Um, no, it's, me talk- it's really me talking for far too long. Well, um, you know, this is, this is the one which I've got to kind of step back because you, you're spurting the knowledge. I... I have my citadel, and that does me end. Whereas, what are we on now? Sixth? Oh, probably something well, like that. Not, and there's not too many to go. I promise. <laughs> no, but it's 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 your forte, and and you can really tell the the time and effort you've gone into to mastering these different paint styles and and techniques. Um, and at this stage, though, where it's just kind of like, oh, I want to try this. I want to see what they're like. I want to see why I would use them. So Scale 75 do their, their regular kind of scale color paints. They also do, um, and even more recently, they did an artist tube. So instead of coming in like a dropper bottle or a pot or anything, they're like the little tubes that you would see artists mm-hmm. craft paints in. 
somebody was spooking them. They were saying they were the greatest things in the world. I think it was when I was at the Craft World Studios class that they did at House of War, who conveniently had just bought all of the scale 75 artist tubes and they had them all in stock. And I'm like, well, fuck it. Everyone is saying they're the best things in the world. Let's try these. They, I, I actually, I prefer these to the scale color. They are a much heavier bodied. So it's not like you, you squeeze a bit onto your palette and it runs everywhere. Um, it, it's almost like a, like an artist paint where it's like, it stays there. Um, and you could create little like peaks in it if you wanted to and stuff like that. So you have to consciously thin it down. It's, um, doesn't have that same funky gel finish that the um, scale color does, um, probably because it is so heavy bodied. Um, and they, the, the tubes actually, how big are they? Like, they does it have how many mils are in a thing? Ugh, 20 mils in a little tube, but you hardly use any paint because they are so thick and heavy and thin down, you can thin them down so much. So they're actually pretty good value. They're a bit hard to get hold of. Um, a little bit different to use than your, your G-dubs and stuff, just because they are a thicker paint to use. Um, but they're kind of what I've started going to for any display models. Like if I'm not just pumping out armies worth of stuff, I'm using them a lot as the base for a lot of the, the display models. I've only got you know, maybe a dozen colors in total. Um, and everything I'm doing with them is part of the reason I, I got them was to force myself into teaching myself to mix more <clears throat> instead of just having seven shades of blue and highlighting with, with progressive shades. Um, but also starting to shades with different colors and have a range on the palette and kind of mess with, with colors and color theory and all that kind of stuff. So I keep getting told that you only need, you know, a couple of different colors and you can make everything. I'm finding that dozen is a is really nice start, place to start with. And um, so it was partially to try them out because everyone said they were the best thing in the world. Secondly, to make sure that I only had a, a limited number of paints that I could use. So it forced me to sort of outside my comfort zone. Um, but actually, they're super nice. Um, and probably one that I could see myself painting a lot of stuff. I, I just, I can't justify painting an army with them. So they are kind of ones that I'm pulling out for single models or small models, small groups of models and stuff like that rather than everything. And it's probably me just being precious, to be honest. <laughs> what the hell? Um, which leads me to the last purchase, which is the Chimera paints. Um, got these from Guff literally in the last week. I've painted one and a bit models with them. Um, now, where did you hear about these? Because you got very excited when when you found out they were coming in stock. So you obviously knew about them before this. Yeah, I, I'd heard about them. Look, I'm on about a thousand different painting groups on Facebook and whatnot. Chimera, when they came out, had a lot of international artists. that they, I'm assuming they sent it to and said, can you try these and spruik them for us if you like them? Um, they were developed with um, a few of the top painters, so... Um, 
fucking who is he? Um, Angel Geraldes. He's one of the key developers of the um, the Chimera set. Tested by a lot of the top artists. Um, so I'd already seen a lot of work that had been produced using them, knowing that a lot of really good artists had input into developing them. I was super curious what the difference would be. Um, couple, couple of really cool things about them. Um, just, just sort of, so they're 30 mil bottles. The whole set is, uh, what? Three, six, nine, twelve, fourteen bottles in total. That's the entire range. Okay. I think they're looking at bringing out more colors, but those colors are literally just an artist's favorite mix of the existing paint set. Okay. So there's only 14 colors in the range. That's that's all you get. Mix what you want from it from there. So it kind of takes that forcing myself out of the comfort zone. The little bottles that they come in have already got agitator balls in them. Um, they're slightly bigger, so you get a little bit more paint. Um, the whole paint set was like, I got changed from 140 bucks. So the 14 colors, it's actually not the worst in the world. And then... Um, the thing that they've done a little bit more with these than they have with um, a lot of the sort of miniature or gaming paints is they'll start talking about what pigments in them and, and stuff like that. And that's the, the biggest step. I Going into an art store, for example, I found and looking at acrylic paint in an art store is each of the bottles has what the pigment is and what the pigment concentration is and how glossy it is. And like, there's all these different things um, that they tell you about, you know, what's in that paint that we just go, it's red. It's got red in it. Um, so these were the first ones that started going up there. So there's well, 13 colors and a satin medium um, that I'm now really appreciating. Um, look kind of similar, to be honest, kind of very similar to the scale 75, um, tube paints, they are a little bit thicker, probably not as thick as the Scale 75. They are really super intense colours and that's probably where I'm going to find myself using them the most is if I want to paint something red, green, pick a colour. The Gorilla is a good example. Um, they're just super vibrant, intense pigments. Um, so... There's no messing around with color or, you know, doing heaps of layers to try and get a, a really vivid thing. Um, and they come with this satin medium, which they've got a super matte finish, but you start mixing a little bit of that in. It takes the edge off. It gives you a slightly nicer end. So that's the the Chimera paint set. And as I said, the, the biggest thing there is very limited range. You've only got these basic colors and you kind of have to fill in the blanks. So there is no skin color, for example. Um, you can definitely make one, but there's none of this just, you know, paint by numbers kind of approach. You have to think about it. Um, and there's a lot more trial and error on my behalf more than anything. So look, they're probably the last ones of the, the known gaming miniature paint brands. The other thing I will say is there is zero wrong with going into an art slash craft store and going, you know, Joe Sonia or a Schminke or a, um, the Golden. I've got some Golden paints um, from art stores that I just wanted to try out because I thought they'd be better value. Um, they are. The the biggest kicker there is, 
and and this is kind of where I discovered is some of those ranges where scale 75 has a really matte finish or the Vallejo model color has a slightly less matte finish and the game color is slightly more satin and stuff like this, but there's a consistent finish on all the paints from a range. Um, this can change if you're talking artist paints from paint to paint, depending on which company is producing them and which ones you're buying. So you kind of have to be a little bit more aware of what you're purchasing. Um, but realistically, it's pigment, acrylic medium. It's the same thing. You can use artist acrylics without any stretch of the imagination. And the other thing I've been playing with, both the P3 ones and some artist ones, um, are inks at the moment. And that is, again, just a more intense pigment in a more transparent medium, and you can do different things with it. Um, but I suppose the biggest piece for me is just horses for courses and not feeling restricted to one paint range mm -hmm. like there's if you like the the red in this range and the blue in a different and the black here or, or whatever like they all mix together um so i'm i'm not a big one for brand loyalty when it comes to these things i think it's just finding that the you know the tool that you like for the job that you're trying to do um and now I have way too many and I'm literally trying to work out at the moment where the Chimera paints fit into my toolbox because um, they kind of do something very similar to the Scale 75 tube paints, but maybe they're a little bit more intense. So I don't know. Um, it, it's, it's now I've got fucking all these tools. When do I get this one when instead of that one? Um, and I'm not entirely sure yet, but that's kind of half the fun as well. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, obviously, like you, this is this is a hobby for all of us. Obviously, uh, what how much time and and dedication you put into that is totally up to you. It's on everybody's lives are different. They've got different responsibilities. They have different amount of time for for painting, um, well, for any aspect of this hobby, really. So. It comes down to obviously finding what works for you, and you have this this amazing range, which I've seen you carry around some of them um, to various places when we've gone painting, and it's it's incredible, and, and it really shows in what you do. I've got my basic paints, and that's going to do me at least for now. Like who knows what'll happen further on down the track? I might decide to experiment with a few more. Um, but for the moment, you know, the ones that I've got do exactly what I want them to do because I'm not I'm not looking for anything outside the box. But do what you want to do. This is your hobby. Experiment, find what's right for you. All of these paints obviously have, have different, you know, positives that, that you can exploit in your own painting styles. Find what works. And you know, play around for a bit. You know, I, I play around with my Citadel paints. I will think about playing around with others, but at this stage, you know, this is what I need, and it suits me fine. And look, realistically, um, I'm not spending anywhere near much time painting armies or or you know, gaming is that I used to. I'm spending a lot more time painting. I'm spending a lot more time painting stuff just for the sake of painting stuff, which was a really hard 
concept for me to wrap my head around originally. If there wasn't a game to paint for or more to the point, probably a tournament deadline to get to um, for a long time, shit wasn't getting painted. So there's been a really big sort of shift in my focus, I found. Um, and this is kind of where, you know, my hobby dollars aren't necessarily getting spent on a brand new army every for, for a tournament scene every year, but I'm buying a lot of paints um, and just different stuff to try. You know, it, to your point, you, you know, I'm carrying around to a painting day or something, uh, a shit ton of paints. I'm probably only using, you know, half a dozen of them over the course <laughs> of the day as well. So... You know, the, the 300 paints that I'm currently looking at, staring at me, I'm not using all of them and there's probably quite a few that are going to waste. So it's also a case of you don't need everything. Um, but I'm I'm personally having fun just trying new things, um, comparing. I'm doing the same thing, to be fair, with brushes. Which brushes do I like? And I'm <clears throat> buying the same size brush in like five or six different brands just to try it out, just to see what I think, see what I like, because it, you know, is the kind of thing I get off on. Um, sorry, that could be a whole other episode. Um, but yeah, it's horses for courses. It's, it's not feeling restricted to, to one paint range because you can definitely mix and match between them. Um, trying things out. If there's something that you don't like about a particular paint, there will be an alternative that probably ticks the, the box for you. Um, so it, it's just, yeah, giving it a go more than anything. Um, and we do have some, especially here in Geelong, we've got some amazing stores. We've got, you know, through the dice stocking P3, we've got, you know, any Citadel one you want at Games Workshop. You've got uh, Guff with... What have they got? They've got all of the Vallejo, haven't they? They've got the Vallejo range. Um, I think Tate's Toy Kingdom has also got a Vallejo range um, in in Geelong. But Guff has, and one that we didn't touch on today because I have zero experience in them, they've got the Vallejo range. They've got now got the Chimera range. They've got some of the G-Dub stuff and the SMS, um, so the scale model series or something, SMS paint range they are now stocking. Um the reason I haven't played with them yet, and they're kind of more designed or they were designed for those kind of Gundam models or the you know, <laughs> scale cars and stuff like that. They're uh, a lacquer-based paint, which frankly just takes a little bit more cleanup and is something I haven't bothered bothered trying. But they've also got a few of those cool color shift effects and, and some different ones, some pearlescence and, and things like that. Um, so there is plenty, if you're local, to, to play with um if even if you are like you know between all of the online stores that are available you can get most stuff um we didn't touch on secret weapon we didn't really touch on a, a couple of different other ones that again are out there i can't try them all um but someone will recommend them yeah just you know Find what works for you and, and by all means ask questions. If if you want to ask Joe some questions, he is more than happy to, to help you. If you want to talk paint, yeah, we can talk paint. <laughs> Quite happy to talk paint. Um, if you want any questions about how to paint like a novice, then sure, I could give it a go. But, yeah, definitely message um, message us on Facebook and, and Joe will get back to you. So, there you go. I just roped you in. 
No, it's cool. I'll, I'll probably... <laughs> I wouldn't be able to help myself. I'll look... I'm sitting here going, oh, you know what paints we didn't mention? Code to arms. Anyway, um, it's fine. That's enough. Um, but speaking of painting and speaking of hobby and getting some stuff done, here is the last thing that I really wanted to, to bring up. Um, and I don't know if I've got anything else to say after this, but bit of an announcement, bit of a thing. Um, so we originally kind of started this podcast, A, so we could about opinions, um, but B, because having to say, oh, this is the hobby I've done at every episode actually forces us to, to do some hobby. So it holds you a little bit accountable. It pushes you that little bit. Um, and that's been something I found really beneficial. Um, Absolutely. The, you know, the amount of stuff that, that I've done because – I know that we're talking about it and it's just motivated me that that little bit, that little kick in the ass that I've needed some nights and, and I've churned out some some awesome stuff that I'm really happy of. Happy. But without this podcast, without that motivation, I might have stuck sat in front of the Xbox for a bit instead. So we want to give you that motivation, basically. Sharing is caring. Um and also knowing that, you know, a lot of people don't paint or hobby without much of a deadline or it's hard to build up that motivation. So let's let's give you one. Um, let's incentivize that a little bit. So the idea is is a bit of a hobby challenge. Now You've probably seen these, like a lot of the stores have been doing them and in all honesty, if if anybody else is talking about it, we stole it first. Yeah, it was ours, mine. Um Look, the thing is, though, like, do them all. Do this one, do other one. Just just do some hobby. Um, we wanted to keep this super, super open um, just to encourage people. Again, it's just do something that you want to get done. So the whole, the whole basis of this and the whole premise is by the end of this month, so by the end of September 2020, um, we want you to tell us, I'm going to create an event. It'll be there. You'll, you'll find it. But tell us what you're going to get done. Just, you know, whether it's just, here's the box I've just bought or here's the model I want to get painted. I don't care what it is. I don't care what the paint range is. I don't care whether it's a conversion, something you want to get painted, something you want to build, some terrain you want to do. It does not matter what you want to get done. So end of this month, you post and say, here's what I'm going to get done. Then over the month, do that. Post whips. Um, ask questions, you know, don't, I don't care. It's 100% up to you. At the end of October, so that gives you a whole month from the end of September to the end of October to do whatever the hell it is that you said you were going to do, post a picture of what you did. Um, That's as simple as it gets. Say you're going to do something, hobby, post a picture of what you did. Um, Profit. Profit, maybe. So, look, and... We're in the, uh, we'd like to incentivize this a little bit because not everyone will get involved without some kind of incentive. Um, I am not organized enough to have actually done that yet. But over the next, before the next recording, we will organize some kind of incentive prize of some description. It's not going to go to the best painted, the cool, basically, Brett and I are going to pick which one is the coolest or who put the most effort in or who we want to give something to by the end of it. 
is the moral of the story. And we'll put together a prize pack. We'll announce whatever the hell it is in the next episode. And we will send that off to that person. So there is a bit of incentive, but there's also an incentive to listen to the next episode to find out what it is that you might win if you're involved. There's an incentive to find out what the incentive is. Look at that. Just, just uh, That's Inception. Um, look, it's like Jay said, we, we just want to get some hobby going. We want uh, people to have fun, people to chat about it. doesn't matter what manufacturer, what system, you know, it could be anything. It could be G-Dub, it could be Star Wars Legion, uh, it could be Gaslands, it could be anything you want to do. Like whatever you've had at the back of your head thinking, oh, I really want to do that. There's still a bit of time. We're still in, in kind of a lockdown. God knows what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks, whether we'll have a little bit more freedom or not. Um, but have some fun. Get some hobby done. Yep. And, and so really, feel free to, to, you know, post pics. So examples, if, look, if there's another painting competition or a hobby challenge on and you want to enter the same thing, I don't give any shits. Um done. So if there's, you know, if you can kill multiple birds with a stone, go go nuts. Enter in ours the same thing that you enter in five other competitions because God knows everybody's doing them at the moment, which is you know, where we stole the idea from in the first place. Um, because they're great. I mean, I like I said last podcast, I did my Nurgle Underworlds team for for a guff incentive um, painting competition. There was you know, no prize at the end of that. It was just I wanted to get them done. I'd been thinking about them at the back of my mind for ages going, I really I want to do these guys justice. Um, and that was the motivation it took for me. So opt in, post something by the end of September. The sooner you opt in, of course, the more time you're going to get to paint that because, you know, end of October is going to be the, the painting deadline. But if you opt in next week with something that you want to get done, then that's more than a month worth of pain. Yeah, this is just, you know, assuming that not everyone will listen to this episode on day one of release. So we're giving a little bit of time to to get in and get involved. Of course. Um, And then a month from then to to get something done. That's it, yeah. And at the end of the day, look, all we want you to do is have fun and possibly listen. Look, either one of those things would be great. Um, We will both come up with something to pledge in the next however long. Um, I still am not 100% sure what that will be, so I'm taking my time. Um, I've got a couple of ideas, but I'm not sold on any. I've talked to you before. I always seem to do Underworld's Cruise for these sort of things because it's nice and simple and easy for me. It's, you know, no more than I think nine models is the biggest warband, but you're usually looking about four or five. So I've been thinking maybe the Dark Elves, maybe the Beastmen, and then half of me just wants to paint something for a game that I've never played. So, like, I've got the Venom model for crisis protocol in the back of my head as well so i don't know i'll come up with something yeah and look but that's the other thing that i would i'd probably call out is this is your opportunity to set your own deadline or like your own um challenge make it reasonable um you know if there's no chance that you're going to paint a whole army or you know the entire indominus box between now and then don't don't pledge it 
do something that you're going to do, do something that's going to motivate you to get it done. And it might push a little bit, um, but it's a reasonable expectation. Um, I'm, I'm definitely going to try and think of something that will push me a little bit, but will be achievable. Um, and then, as I said, we by the end of this, we'll hopefully have a whole bunch of photos of completed projects from people and we'll pick one. Um, if they're all as equally as awesome, we will randomize it, but otherwise we'll pick the one that we think is coolest, um, and who has put the most effort in and that kind of stuff. And we will send them something. Sounds good to me. Um, and that's probably where we'll leave it. So we'll post up once we get this up and live, we will post the event in facebook feel free to jump on and start posting start putting those you know work in progress pictures up um, we'll try and get the word out so that we get you know as many people as possible involved and you know just all we're asking we're trying to motivate you we're trying to to promote the hobby um, so we're hoping that that people get involved and uh encouraging everybody you know and and just really getting behind everybody's work. That's it. So I don't care how experienced you are. I don't care how novice. I don't care how big, you know, whether this is something that you do every day or, you know, a new project that you're a little bit nervous about or don't know how to tackle. Fuck, we can, we can talk about that too. If you want ideas, we can talk ideas. Um, so, yeah, hopefully this just encourages some people to get some stuff done because, I find getting things done is motivating and, you know, it kind of means that I get more stuff done. Um, that's a dream. That's it. And on that note, I'll let you have a think and hopefully we'll be back shortly with a new episode and something else to talk about, but also some updates on this little competition sort of thing. Sounds good. All right. Laters. Catch y'all.